Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. I've got a familiar guest back on the show, Tho Bishop. He came on, I don't know, a month ago, but most of you guys know who he is. How you doing tonight, Tho? Doing great, Reed. Glad to join you. Yeah, you've uh, you've kind of taken off more than usual since last time I had you on. You were on with Steve Bannon. You've been kind of blowing yeah. up all over the place. What's been going on, man? Hey, it's been staying busy, but uh, yeah, it's been a good start of the year. I'm going to hope to keep it coming. Cool, man. Um, first thing I want to ask you about, actually, is a little off topic. Um, so there's a trucker strike going on up in Canada, and, and Canada has been this authoritarian hellhole to live in. They've got universal restrictions that you can't ride a bus, you can't take a domestic flight, you basically can't get a job. Um, you basically just can't live a normal life if you're not vaccinated. Um, in the United States, things are a bit different. I'm not vaccinated. I have a steady job. I haven't worn a mask other than on an airplane in over a year now. Um, and you live in Florida. Florida is another state where it's been, uh, you know, very famously free of the COVID regime for the most part. So I was just wondering, what do you think about something like what's going on in Canada taking place here? Would you support that? Would you be kind of skeptical of it? Just what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I've enjoyed your commentary out there that you know that there needs to be an appreciation that there's collateral damage when you have any you know, movement like this sort, right? And, and this is exactly what non-political action looks like. And it can be very impactful, and, and sometimes that can be a force for good. You know, we're, we're seeing some politicians in Canada kind of break here and there, and, and hopefully that continues, and hopefully that when the Trudeau regime is forced out, I'm not the ideal situation there, and that, that can be done through – uh, the leverage they have with supply chains and everything else there. But there's other side of things, you know, there, there's collateral damage that comes from that. And I think one of the things that, you know, I, I've seen a lot of comments just, you know, not only just with the Canada situation, but with some of the scenes that we've seen in Europe play out and some of these other nations where you have these massive protests. I think one of the reasons you haven't seen that play out in the U.S. to that same degree is precisely the fact that you have outlets, right? You, you, you can travel to Florida, you can travel to New Hampshire, um, you know, things have been you know, very different now on partisan grounds for a while. And, and one of the things I think Canada shows is that there is a demand for COVID tyranny, right? I mean, that's, that's one of the sad things is that, you know, you'll see polling out there or, you know, only 20% of Canadians support what's going on up there. That'd be much higher in the U.S. And so I think taking that into account um, while, you know, if you want to starve off the, the imperial city of D.C. Or, or, you know, use this as a larger you know, pen against some of the, the evils that are out there, you know, at, at, at some of those state and local levels, then, you know, that's, that's a different conversation. Um, but I, I think the COVID situation in America is different than it, what it has been in Canada, um, what it has been in other areas, though there seems to be some, you know, sign of relief. And I, I think that's one of the interesting things about this is that while the, the Trudeau regime is refusing to compromise up there in Canada, here across the border, I mean, you know, when you have propaganda folks like the the, you know, the crazy you know Asian doctor lady that's on CNN all the time, when she's out there saying, "Oh, well, you know, we've got to obviously remove some of these restrictions," I, th I think the fever's broken a little bit here. Um, and so, so again, they're, they're, you, you don't necessarily want to put people to destroy uh, 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 you know, communities, economies without having a, a very uh, uh, the right goal in mind. Things are getting better. Hopefully, uh, you know, it will not need to come to that uh, down here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of compare it to the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020, 
they were very vague about what their goals yeah. were. Right. And then they were also taking out a lot of angst on completely innocent people. Like you should be making the Minneapolis police department uncomfortable, right. not the white family dining in the restaurant and screaming at them if they're not anti-racist right. enough or not. So, I mean, I just, I'm afraid of something like that happening yes. here because I get it. Like watching what's happening in Canada, it's exciting. It's, you know, very, uh, you know, it, it builds a lot of camaraderie and, uh, you know, uh, patriotism and the idea of like, yeah, like this is so cool. People sticking together, but people just have to remember, you know, this isn't just a party. Like you're talking about an already completely broken supply chain that right. could just, you know, uh, instantly shove tons of people into starvation mm -hmm. and it could backfire and make them hate, you know, instead of Fauci or the current regime, like, why am I not getting groceries? Why can I not get uh, medicine? Why is my mom in the hospital? with whatever and she's not getting the supplies she needs so you know a critical thought just takes place and a lot of people don't go that far i guess right it, it can about thin line between self-righteousness and like nihilism in terms of like you, you get so wrapped up and and, and, and you know convinced of the righteousness of your cause and like anything you do doesn't matter anymore at that point and you know it's it's easy for that mom mentality to kind of you know, for, for things that are started off with most just reasons um, you know, these are buttons that you want to use very sparingly because they can become addictive. Um, right. And that is, uh, yeah. It's like, it, so, so again, you know, I think Canada's very just. You can full support to them, but yes, you know, expanding outside of that needs to be done very carefully. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, so this has a little bit more to do with what we're talking about. Um, I saw you put out a tweet. I don't know if it was yesterday or today, but that you underestimated the. Um, I don't know how you put it, but. Uh, you 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 underestimated the bitch libertarians, basically like Sarwark, um, because you never had any worries about the Libertarian Party, but instead they've infiltrated what you called the most successful libertarian organization, which is Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, but Lauren Doherty became the executive director, and she's it seems like she's basically been purging uh, kind of classic Ron Paul style libertarians, defending Liz Cheney, getting upset that mm -hmm. people are trying to um you know trying to display any sort of affection for gun culture so so what's going on there I've, i'm not connected to young americans for liberty but i sure know a lot of people who are so what's been going on the last few days yeah it, it, it's honestly i think the entire story is a tragedy and it's precisely because i think yell is you know had, had create you know become one of the most effective uh political institutions the liberty movement has um you know the, the success that they were having at electing state reps around the country uh, I know, you know, th there is a free state, uh, free stater who is the Republican majority leader within the New Hampshire State House because of some of the efforts done in that state in particular. You know, they, they were really building a bench full of very interesting, you know, diehard Ron Paul style libertarians. And then when you had a change in leadership, you know, I, I, I knew that once you kind of went from a, a Republican, someone who, who had a history of being a Republican to a, a capital libertarian, you're going to influence and, and has, has some changes in terms of particular like cultural issues and things like that. Um, you know, that there was going to be a, a, a easy to predict a little bit of a distancing from Trumpism. And whereas, you know, Yao back in 2020, uh, you know, was doing a fit like Marjorie Taylor Greene. It was kind of easy to predict that, okay, well, if you have an LP executive director, that you're probably going to have less of that, right? Fine. What's interesting is that the, the term that I, I think applies here is regime libertarian. Right. That's what it was. Because yeah. ultimately, right, you know, what, what's happening with Yao right now is that they are hiring talent 
to onboard this organization, an organization that was built as, you know, started as Students for Ron Paul, that was built off of the effort of a nation of, and, and, and multiple generations now of wonderful grassroots activists, people that, you know, wanted to dedicate their time, you know, doing events on campuses for educational purposes, knocking on doors for people that believed in, you know, there's a lot of you know, blood, sweat and tears put in this organization to build it up to the point where it is. And, and, you know, to my, you know, the fact that you, you have a, a Yao now that had internal memos trying to censor criticisms of, uh, you know, American military intervention overseas because, oh, we don't want to make it seem like we're criticizing us too much for these accidents that happen. We blow up uh, a family in a, in a, in a car, right. Or, or, you know, oh, we, we don't want to speak too poorly of Liz Cheney because, you know, we should actually be thanking her for standing up to this, you know, orange man bad, or, Hey, don't you dare criticize Kamala Harris for being out of touch and dumb because she's a black woman. And it doesn't look very good if a bunch of libertarians are criticizing a black woman who is very dumb and unintelligent for being dumb and you know being dumb and, and, and evil, right? That that's a sort of you know, when you have that creeping into that organization, um, you know, it, it's 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 very unfortunate all around. And I, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's been people that have been you know, been, been get you know, let go within this process. There's still a lot of good people within the organization. I'm not trying to you know. You know, paint a you know broad brush here and say anyone that still has yell in their their title is is a bad guy. Like, you know, you, you have a remnant that's trying to to keep up with the original mission, but it seems from from people that I know within the organization, the aggression that they've gone about trying to remake yell in their own image, which is what they should do from their own perspective, right? If if you're going to take over an organization like yell, you can't you know you want to you want to use it to your own purposes. You can't have people pushing a different message there. So you know, you know, it's, it's a rational move. Um, but it, it is unfortunate considering what Yao used to be and, and what, you know, what it should be, uh, given what people invested in, into it in the past. Yeah. What I find so ironic is I can understand, like maybe thinking Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't libertarian enough or something, mm-hmm. but then to go, you know, <laughs> criticize, uh, you know, hatred of Liz Cheney or regime change wars or criticism of, uh, Kamala Harris, that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene is much more of an ally than any of those people. Well, it's just frustrating because like, the time that we have right now, like this is exactly where like, there's this, all this populist energy. And so you're taking this, you know, what, what Yale had become very effective of was building a bench, right? Getting involved in winnable elections where we can get people that, you know, we can get in our orbit like, a few times a year to, to hear our perspective of things. And you start building up talent from there. Anthony Sabatini, is one of the, the guys running for Congress this year that I'm most excited about. You know, he was a, a Yale endorsed sort of candidate uh, here in Florida. Um, you know, it, it was it was a good product. It was a good pipeline of talent trying to navigate these waters. And and it's just the, the problem is, is that, that that energy that that platform there of of organizing um, you know conservative college kids in a way that's going to help you know win elections like that 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 infrastructure is going to be used for some purpose, right? You know, the, the model is there. People are going to replicate it. There's people trying to replicate it. Um, it's a shame though, that an, an organization that should have been in a position to take advantage of that enthusiasm and those, you know, th- that sort of dedication to a, a good ideological lens is going to be taken off the field here. And that's, uh, it's just a loss from the movement. Yeah. So I feel like this, um, you know, this kind of encapsulates what we were talking about on Twitter, the idea of liberalism versus paleo-libertarianism. Um, the, 
the strange things that some people who are more liberal libertarians are willing to compromise on, um, you know, the, the, the optics of criticizing a black woman is worse than murdering children in the middle east so do you think that this is actually a root problem of liberalism is that where this comes from do you think there needs to be some conservatism within the culture of libertarianism or this is what it naturally degrades to or would you just expand on that a little bit yeah well first and foremost i I do want to you know give credit to you know there is a type of left libertarian who is very anti-imperialist, you know, they, they, they have their own virtues and they, they do their own thing. And I, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure. trying to, to paint them in the same brush here. Um, and, and that's, again, you know, someone in particular within the, uh, uh, Lauren Doherty road, that's, that's, I, th- I think even the left libertarians would, would not see an ally there, but I, I think there is though this, this larger tendency where some of the issues that conservatives are railing against, within their own movement, for example, within kind of right-wing intellectual circles, um, there's been a divide between, you know, the David French group and uh, of people that, that are, are recognized by being more, um, uh, uh, they have a very secularist view of power, right? So, so their answer to um, the erosion of conservative cultural norms or institutions, things like that, the, the answer is, okay, well, we just have to convince more people. The, the answer is, oh, we, we, we got we to gotta affect the culture by itself in order to get people to be more along you know, conservative lines. And they reject the idea of using the state as a mechanism of maintaining some sort of – maintaining those conservative institutions. And, and I, I think within libertarian circles, you have this dynamic where it's not necessarily the use of the state per se – but there is a, a form of libertarianism that views all cultural views as equally relevant, or e- e- equally just. And you know, it's tolerance is kind of like the, 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 the main goal there, right? The, 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 right. The to- tolerance is the key organizing faction here. And, and therefore, within your own property, within your own whatever, you, you, can, you, you might be able to do whatever you want. But the public square should be tolerant. Society should be tolerant of these various different views and that can lead itself obviously with, with the, with the militant stride where we've seen, you know, the, 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 the sort of the rush to, okay, we, we've got to make sure that, you know, Eastern Ukraine is free from the uh, tyranny of Orthodox Christian autocratic Russia. Right. right. And, and you have a lot of libertarians that'll, that'll fall on those, those grounds and, and along those lines. Um, I, I think in general though, what that sort of mindset within Christian, within libertarian circles, that is an element there that was driving the paleo push within the nineties that recognized that if, if you do not have a common uh, uh, source of, of kind of a, a broadly accepted moral foundation there, um, which it was agreed upon as, as, Christianity in particular, right? Even so, like Murray Rothbard, who was not a Christian himself in terms of belief in, you know, the, the you know Jesus Christ as you know the Savior, he recognized that it was the unique benefits of Christian culture that were important for that that, that cultivated the Western traditions of liberalism that we have enjoyed, 
and and so that that if we want to enjoy liberalism in the true in, in kind of Lockean sense, that political sense, right? Liberalism as freedom from government to for, for your own you know, within a, a a certain moral standpoint, but freedom to attack within there. If you take it, if you if you create a cultural vacuum within that, you're you're going to have bad. You're going to end up with a liberty that can't sustain itself. And and I, I think what's interesting is that you know there there is that there, there, historically right you know it used to be popular oh oh you know we're, we're libertarians would describe themselves as liberals within that, that classical sense rather than and trying to distinguish itself from a modern sense I think that there's even an issue within that classical sense of liberalism um, to the degree that it was purely secular you know you think like Thomas Jefferson carving out all of the miracles within the Jeffersonian Bible I, I think that breakaway right there has created a lot of, of issues that have gone on to create the, the burdens that we have with modern liberalism that, you know, that, that I think need to be, be taken into account. And so the same way we're on the conservative side of things, you have this conversation, you have, you have this rising post-liberal movement um, within their thought. I think that some of the reaction that we're seeing the libertarian circles today, call it post-libertarian, call it paleo-libertarian, call it whatever you will, I think a lot of that reflects that similar rejection of a, a, a style of secular liberalism um, that I, I, I think is interesting. And, and, and I have a bias in this, this argument. I, I, you know, I, I, I find myself very much being sympathetic to the post-liberal argument within right circles. Um, but I, I also freely admit, though, that there is you know, that, that, that there is, I think, perhaps value in recognizing the different cult, uh, traditions here. Even if you're not on that side, where I, I think it's got, it lends itself to a much more cohesive uh, uh, political alliance, if you recognize you know, more naturally the degree to which these these ethical and cultural foundations matter more than perhaps our view on the state itself, and that kind of plays into some of the, the larger political stuff. So that, that's that's a long kind of rant there, but that's kind of the the, the long thought process um, that I think was kind of playing out with some of those uh, those tweets. Yeah, sure. So I got a couple questions. Um, <clears throat> One is I find the modern liberals to be incredibly antithetical to the original, you know, concept of liberalism. I mean, yeah. I feel like Bill Maher is one of the only people on a mainstream platform who encapsulates any of those values anymore. I mean, the idea of free speech, of tolerance, of open dialogue, of wanting to live in a free society. Like, I mean, I, there are a lot of people that I frankly used to kind of look up to over the last several years who I have completely thrown in the garbage because they have shown that they don't actually believe in those absolutes of free speech or um, tolerance. They're actually very intolerant people who are just upset that their culture wasn't dominant to begin with. So do you think that that's just a natural um, regression of liberalism that it it's it, it's very hard to be a Bill Maher who actually stands for freedom of discourse between like abhorrent and, you know, ideas he disagrees with and ideas that he supports. Is it just natural that most liberals do want to rise to the top and then become very authoritarian in their mindset? I think there's a nature where see, I, 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 I appreciate what Bill Maher is saying right now. And I appreciate points that Bill Maher has had in his career. I, I don't think that he's been a reliable ally Right in general, I, oh, I, sure, I, you know, no. I, I, I'm not suggesting and, that. And, and, I, I just think that, yeah, and, 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 you know, yeah. sure, sure, sure. And and, and my, my and the reason I bring that up is I, I think there is definitely an aspect where 
you know, it, it's, you know, once the water gets too hot, you know, you, you have some people that are sort of reacting to it. And, and it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a self-preservation thing because even though they have been okay to play this game of, you know, imposing their cultural views. And, and, and really, I think ultimately, you know, these are religious views, right? Even if they are not Christian, even if they're not theist, right? There, there is a, a, a religious element to anyone, to, to, to moral, morality in general, right? And, and so to the degree to which, and, and Bill Maher, I think, is more thoughtful than your average guy. I, I think he probably has, you know, even if he's, we're all hypocrites in terms of here and here and there, I think he has, you know, his own sort of thought out, generally sort of political views. I, I, I think though that he'd be perfectly okay with crushing you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, mandating uh, a drag a drag queen story hour in public libraries because, you know, it, it teaches tolerance to communities and things like that, that, that other people would find an absolutely abhorrent use of their tax dollars, right? I, I think that Bill Maher doesn't have any problem at all with, with using um, – cancel culture if, if, if as long as he agrees you know whatever the, the the authoritarian aspect of the state that he criticizes against covid rightfully i think he'd be okay with using it in some sort of end that he thought was was, was correct right mm-hmm. and and it, i think what's interesting with the covid stuff though is seeing okay well this is too much for certain people and so that leads up with the barry weiss's of the world you know saying oh you know this is crazy and, and sure. so, so now you have these people that are on the left not not the far left but i mean i, I think i think are still liberals um, you know, culturally and otherwise, that have realized that the game has gone too too close to to their comfort zone, or over time have learned that that this whole thing is nonsense. And and so, again, while, while I, it's always important to, to celebrate whenever you have these things going on, I, I don't think necessarily though. Uh, I, I think it, it, it what, what it, it's less about them as more as, as much as it is just a demonstration to the degree to which you still have people to the far side of them. Um, you know, let's call it left, um, you know, are, 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 are so disconnected to where we are, right? It, 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 it's more of a reflection on how far out they are when they're criticizing that, than it is say, you know, these are good liberals to point to. Um, it's just this, this particular element has made them good liberals from a, a, a liberty perspective or any, you know, what, what we would think about is, is being on the right side of this. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I was not suggesting that Bill Maher is necessarily an ally to libertarianism. He's just somebody who's always been willing to have, like he had Milo Yiannopoulos on his show, mm-hmm. at Ben Shapiro on his show. He's been very against the woke, like canceling of somebody that doesn't hold the same opinion he does. He does have authoritarian government views for sure. But when it comes down to dialogue, he's always been you know, um, let that guy speak and let's ridicule him if we disagree with him by proving him wrong or whatever. Um, I guess you could use Joe Rogan as another example of somebody who's been very open to letting anyone say whatever they want when they come on his platform, which is why it's so uh, disappointing to see him apologize and now start caving to the mob and everything. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, it seems like it's very, very rare that any of these liberals or people who call themselves free speech absolutists, you know, really end up becoming that. I mean, they they eventually have some standard that they will say, this is too much. You can't say this. This right. is too dangerous. This is disgusting or whatever is basically what I'm getting at. 
Yeah, and, and to be fair, they should. Like, I, I've, I've got nothing against that. Like, for example, the, the Mises Institute is dedicated to liberalism, free speech, whatever, right? You know, freedom. But I mean, the, the Mises Institute isn't going to provide a platform to someone who wants to, you know, talk about Keynesian economics because there's plenty of other platforms for that, right? Like, you necessarily, you're going to have limits to you know, the, the, the entire goal. I think of like neutrality is a myth. Right. You know, there's all there's never going to be a neutral platform. And, and, and you know, that, that's OK. Like the, the answer is that, you know, we don't need to have some sort of mass universal. You know, there, there was nothing ever, ever anything wrong with Twitter censoring, you know, child porn. Right. Because it's not a neutral platform. Right. Um, and and I, I think that's one aspect where um, you, you there, there was a myth of this that I think has affected the, the, the practicality of you know neoliberalism you know, this liberal order whatever you want to describe the, the status quo and I think that that is what you're seeing as the reaction on the right um, you know that, that's why you're seeing a lot more emphasis on school curriculums and banning books that you know certain sort of books and things like that Rec, you know you have conservatives recognizing that public education is not going to be a neutral platform right and therefore we want to take out some of this sort of stuff I think the same degree it, it, while, while the, the kind of the the question that comes within libertarian circles, because we can easily bypass this by saying there should be no public schools, and therefore you know that makes that okay. So you're you're going to have you know Christian schools and whatever that as the answer to some of this sort of stuff. I, I think even when it comes to the enforcement of you know it, it lends itself to some of these debates going on about dealing with um, uh, uh, Twitter and, and corporate platforms where the idea is that these organizations can exist within a neutral landscape and therefore any censorship they have is the product of the market or, or some sort of non-political uh, mechanisms. Whereas, you know, the argument, you know, whereas my argument, my defense of saying, you know, some of the stuff like Ron DeSantis has been trying to do with our social platform sphere is that no, when you're dealing with such a heavily influenced environment, right? These are, you know, there is no such thing as a, as a neutral corporate platform, right? There's always some sort of underlying uh, filter that's going to be applied here. And when it's being used explicitly for political ends, that is a danger to, you know, the, the power structures that be. And, and I, I think that recognizing that the, the limits of what the marketplace of ideas really provides, either from the state level or from a, a, a corporate perspective, and, and downwards, like, these, these are some things that I, I think have been kind of, they, there are parallels to the conversations that are happening on the right that need to happen in libertarian circles that I, I think are trickling out um, that I think are, are significant. Yeah, so um, I have never thought of libertarianism as much of a, well, let me put it this way. I don't, I've never looked at it as a way to achieve the fullness of morality. I mean, it's pretty basic. It's don't steal your neighbor's stuff. Don't kill anybody unless you're protecting yourself. You know, don't aggress against anyone unless they aggress against you. You own yourself and your property. And that's pretty much it. Like, it's not it's nothing like when you read the Bible and Jesus is telling you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Bring the you know, carry the centurion's backpack an extra mile. Like there's nothing about forgiveness in it. There's nothing about, um, you know, being caring like you can. It's completely libertarian if some, you know, dude who's dying of thirst crawls up to your doorstep 
and you have water in your house and he just says, can I have a glass of water? And you slam the door in his face and say, get off my property. You were, I mean, it's your property. You can do with it what you want. You can say, this guy has no right to be here. You know, I'm going to remove him. But it's not the good, it's not the virtuous or good thing to do. So I feel like libertarianism, the non-aggression principle, some people try to look at it as a religion or as a guide for the fullness of morality. And, you know, both the people who are criticizing it and some of the people who are holding it up as the gold standard, the end all be all, the answer to everything. I just find them kind of both missing the point that the non-aggression principle is what it says it is. It's just about non-aggression. It's just about not hurting each other. Um, so when you're looking for, you know, fulfillment, you're probably not going to find it in libertarianism. And like, so some people have religion like Christianity or, you know, whatever you want to choose. Other people find it in hobbies or family or whatever it is. But I think it's the mistake to try to cast libertarianism and non-aggression as an all-encompassing philosophy that will make you happy and feel fulfilled in life. Sure. You know, the mistake of trying to make thin libertarianism, thick libertarianism, right. you know, is, is, I do think is an issue. So the question then is, okay, what what fills the rest of that void? And, and I, I think that what I, I think that the mistake that libertarians make is viewing is, is I think taking individualism too far and failing to recognize that the strongest communities are the ones that share the you know, common values and their that, that the relationships for a strong community are not purely economic ties um you know that that there there is you know these elements of, of duty and obligation that come with being part of a community and that those communities are strongest when they have a, a shared ethical framework and, and, a, and, a, and a common value system. And then the question then is, okay, what is the foundation that lends itself to the strongest framework that 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 bolsters and protects human liberty and, and human thriving? And and that's where you know I, I think that the Christian argument there is, is very important and, and I think very very persuasive. Um, and but 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 even if you know. That is, you know, for, for people that, that, are, that are not Christians, that's fine. I think there needs to be, I think, greater appreciation, though, that you're, you're going to need to have that ethical foundation, right? The, the idea that you can just plug and place people without any sort of consideration for what is going to be the civic religion. Because you know, simply not declaring a civic religion isn't going to stop a civic religion from, from you know, coming up, right? right. And, and it's like America right now, it's, it's you know, we, we are no longer a Christian nation. We are now a, we have we have a secular religion, you know. You, like you know, Martin Luther King Jr. is is a saint within the American civic religion. Sure. Um, and along with you, know, George Washington, you know, is is, is for you know, so until at least for right now, you know, he's a secular saint. Abraham Lincoln is right for for the Union. Um, George, you have, you have, Floyd. You have George Floyd has become one, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. June Juneteenth is his feast day. Yeah. And, and so what we've done is that we've, we have we over time over the course of the 20th century we have we have substituted Christianity with this new religion, and and that that creates issues because because it, it, we don't we don't identify it as such we, we we think of it it is sold as the liberal separation of church and state, but you know that that, that, we, that we have created that you know, we're, we're in a more uh, a rational age because Christianity is at its all time lows. I, I I don't think 
that society, yeah, if you look around a society today, we're seeing a culturally healthy society. And, and so I, I think that should draw people to have some reevaluation in terms of, you know, is, is, are, are, we, are we in a culturally good place the more that we have distanced ourselves from Christianity in particular in the West, um, but away from having these conversations in general um, in terms of, you know, thinking about things in, in, a, in a collectivist uh, uh, sense, but I, I think still very much a, a, an important one when you're thinking about social trust and the actual institutions that lend itself to, to human liberty thriving. Sure. So I agree with a lot of what you said there, and it's been an evolution of mine over the last several years, seeing how people have reacted. Um, I was raised Christian, and I was a pretty staunch believer till my late teens, and then eventually by the time I was 22, I kind of came to terms with the fact I didn't believe in any of it. Um, but what you're describing is true. Like Whether or not there is a religion that's established, one will form, and what we've seen I would say is actually worse than what, uh, than his predecessor. Um, the thing though is, um, like you were mentioning, you know, um, Rothbard was an atheist. Like he didn't actually believe in God. He didn't believe in Jesus. Uh, I think Mises was too. And Papa Mm -hmm. is as well. Right. Is that correct? Uh, I'm not certain about Papa. Um, but, but, but it definitely is the case, the case within, uh, uh, both Rothbard and and Mises, right. so it's essentially both both of them, particularly Mises in particular, when he when he was in Europe, he was very dismissive of Christianity. And by the time he reads uh, uh, writes theory and history, his views definitely become a lot more sympathetic. But but yes, they're still non-believers. Yeah. So I mean, I completely agree with you. And we were talking about this on Twitter that there are a lot of people who do need the Bible or something mm-hmm. like the Bible. They need a belief in an all-powerful God to justify their existence, to strive for anything. Um, you know, you and I could both go on a 10 mile hike in New Hampshire in five below zero weather and four feet of snow in snowshoes. And I might come away from that saying, wow, that was the greatest experience ever. That was awesome. I loved all of it. And you'd be like, Reed, what the fuck is wrong with you? We're freezing to death. Let's go to the beach in Florida. So we both had the exact same experience, but we came away with it, came away from it with completely Mm -hmm. different outlooks or opinions. So Anyone who can arrive at, you know, a, a libertarian society where it's flourishing and people are productive and they're getting along and peaceful, I really don't care how they get there. I mean, even if they're like a fundamentalist Muslim and they somehow mm-hmm. arrive there, you know, which would make no sense to me, but it's like, okay, whatever, you ended up there. That's cool. That's your journey. It's not mine. What I see, though, is there is a lot of disdain um, for people like me who are not religious, who try to justify things in a secular way and try to convince people in a secular way. And the only time that I ever go out of my way to take shots at Christianity is when I either see somebody get attacked or I get pushed far enough and then I'll finally push back. Like I think, you know, Tom Woods is great. Ron Paul is great. I don't care how they got to their, um, you know, where they are. And those two have never, ever, you know, tried to push their religion on me and I just don't care. But there are a lot of, uh, there's this like new, I don't know if it's new, but this noticeable movement uh, within the Liberty circles where mm-hmm. it seems like they're trying to purge atheists even. And I'm not talking about like the, um, you know, I I've been called a Reddit atheist. I think that's very unfair. Like I think Reddit atheists are the toxic ones who are 
you know, when someone's parent is dying in the hospital and they're asking for prayers and they comment, you dumbass, there is no God. Like, I mean, those people are detestable. I hate them and they hate me just as much. Um, But people like me, and I'd say like Rothbard and like Mises who just don't have a personal faith, don't believe in a faith and don't embrace the faith, but don't like try to disparage people who believe in whatever they want. It seems like there's even, you know, an angst against people like us. I don't know if you see it the same way. So I'll play you comment. No, I, I, I think there is. And again, I, I think this is something that is reflected. I don't think it's it can, something limited to the libertarian space. I think some of it is just is, is coming, radiating off of, of some of the energies that are, are happening elsewhere. Again, I, I, I think we're just in this very interesting, weird time where people are reevaluating all sorts of different aspects. And, and I, I think there's this, this broader reevaluation of materialism in general. And I, I think that is naturally lends itself to um, you know, religious awakenings in all sorts of interesting ways. And I, I think that there becomes a, I, I think that there's a fundamental distrust of non-religious moral foundations. And I, I think that I think that ultimately becomes a, a concern with if, if you are seeing a for again I mean you think think about everything we've seen obviously you know in the last few years is a radical acceleration of tyranny um, you know we we have family members ratting to the FBI on each other you know the, a complete breakdown of trust family structures you know. All, yep. all that sort of traditions, I think it it it, it creates a very a society that is unsure of what it can stand upon, and so it gets to the point where the only thing that you can trust is faith or God, and therefore anyone who you know, they might see come across as allies on a lot of issues, if if they are wrong on that one big issue, then there's distrust all around. Sure, and and you know. I, I, I'm someone who I, I appreciate like the way I, the way I kind of see this is that I, I, I think there's always room for uh, outliers, right? I, I think it is absolutely possible to be an atheist and to be a good neighbor within a Christian society. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and part of that just comes from a personality that is not disrespectful, right? Um, which goes to the, the, the Reddit atheist question. But I, I, I think you can absolutely have that. Um, I think ultimately, though, if you do not, if, that, that is that is an atheist in a Christian society. I think if you, I, I, I have become, and again, I, I have the complete opposite story of you. Like, I, you know, I, I grew up, you know, my, my parents had strong religious beliefs, but they didn't, we never went to church, you know, so I was, I was, you know, grew up in a very agnostic sort of family, um, uh, upbringing, um, only recently have become a lot more interested in, in finding Christianity filling some some areas um that I've, I've i've found personally rewarding um I, I i do think there is a bad neighbor problem that exists within certain parts of the libertarian movement and i you know we, we all know certain people you know like and, and I, I think yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and and there is that retreat where okay you have a filter that is going to filter out you know 90 percent of bad people at the expense of 10 percent good people you know, if, if you have, you know, if, if you're trying to create things to, to, you know, out of protection, like that's, that's not a, that's not a bad hitting rate. Right. And I, and I think particularly given, given where Twitter's at, where, where Twitter is so much rewards dunking and, and kind of tribalism in the most uh, 
uh, uh, uh, fiery sort of sense and I can fall in this trap as well as anyone. I I think those two together um, combined with this larger, some of the larger conversations and larger feelings out there, I think definitely lends to that sort of aspect to it. Um, But yeah, and again, we, we are living in very turbulent, I think, times in a variety of different ways which is going to lead to, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of unfortunate uh, byproduct out there. Just hopefully some of the answers that are coming out from some of these questions being asked, uh, uh, you know, translate into to meaning, you know, long lasting uh, advances to, to a good end r- rather than a very bad end, which is certainly possible in all this sort of stuff. Yeah. I want to speak to what you said about Twitter, because that's very true. Um, when <laughs> When you view the libertarian movement through a Twitter lens, I think it's a very, distorted, unhealthy, negative view of what's actually happening just because I've been to, you know, a few big libertarian events and everybody's friendly. Everyone's talking to each other. Everyone's, you know, happy to be there. Pork Fest, Tom Woods 2000, um, Freedom Fest, like those were all great places where, I don't know, a little bit of hope was reinstated (laughs) after visiting them and realizing that we don't all hate each other as much as we think we do. Um, one question I have is, you know, because I come from the hard, like, evangelical right. And what you just described about mostly atheist uh, Americans over the last few years, I think, is in general true. I mean, and some religious people, too. But the majority of the atheists in the country have probably been more aligned with the COVID regime over the last few years. I, I think that's accurate. I'll, I will grant you that. What I would say is the ultra religious movement that I came from in the early 2000s was probably more proportionally responsible for the rapid expansion of the state under George W. Bush. And I realized George W. Bush didn't have the same messages about foreign policy and probably immigration that the the modern populist right does. But if you listen to him talk about Christianity, you know, 20 years ago, it's very hard to discern. And I know, you know, lots of people in my family, lots of close friends who just bought it hook, line and sinker. And then we ended up with the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, the Patriot Act. Uh, and then you had all sorts of cultural stuff like the satanic panic. And, you know, if you read Harry Potter, you were a Satanist or whatever. So I'm just not convinced that that Christianity actually is an antidote to tyranny. I, I don't think historically that that's been proven. I th- think it can be like and it's interesting to see how it's used on both sides, because you have Christians in the early 2000s, like my parents, who Um, You know, they were outliers in our family. They were the only ones against the war in Iraq. Um, And we were protesting it on the side of the road in 2003 when I was a kid. Um, And they were using Christian arguments against it. Like, yeah, 9-11 was bad, but why are we bombing kids in Iraq? It doesn't make any sense. You know, you had Christians on both sides of the abolitionist movement, uh, you know, with slavery. You had Christians on both sides of the Vietnam War, you know. um, So... I'm just not convinced that it actually is this all saving antidote that that works. I mean, I think it can be, but depending on where you are on the timeline, it has certainly been weaponized in the opposite direction. And I'm not I'm not convinced that it's actually been 
more, um, you know, more positive than negative. I mean, if you look at like the Vietnam War, that's another great example where most of like the Christians were probably in support of the Vietnam War. Most Christians have been in support of the war on drugs. Most Christians have been in support of a lot of policies that have just like completely destroyed this country. So just like you were saying, Bill Maher, like he seems like a great ally right now because he's speaking out against what's going on with the COVID regime. I look at it that way with Christians just, and like, I'm not, this isn't an outside looking in thing. Like I was there, I grew up in a church that was very pro Iraq war, grew up in a family that was mostly very pro Iraq war, friends that were mostly pro Iraq war. And they were not like just casual Christians. They were, let's go to church on Sunday, prayer meeting, Wednesday nights, read the whole Bible. This is real. You know, like you need to actually be sorry for your sins. Like, I mean, it was the whole, the whole deal. So I don't know. I'll just let you respond. What do you think? You know, I, I mean, it's definitely true that, you know, Christian Americans have been on the wrong side of a variety of things. I, I, I think that the 9-11 example was more about Americanism than Christianity. Um, you know, I, I, I think you, know, you did have pockets of very strong anti-war organization within, yeah. you know, and, and particularly the, the most traditional sort of Christian you know, movements too tend to be the ones that are the most iconoclast in terms of, of any major sort of political issue. And I, I think to, to the credit, but, but you know, I, I think that is just part of America's secular religion. I, I, I don't think that, you know, atheists were any less interested in bombing the Middle East in, in that period. So I, I don't think it was necessarily, you know, a, a, a Christian generated thing. I, I do think you could perhaps point to in like 2004, um, the degree to which gay marriage was used as a means of the Bush administration to maintain power. And I, I think you can even point to 2000 as an example of the uh, cultural progressive agenda of the Clintons pushing a, a massive, you know, a, a, you know you, you, I mean, it's like you, you even had a, a major realignment of politics there with Republican party politics becoming more you know, defined by evangelical, you know, uh, uh, Christianity and things like that. Part of that was a reaction to cultural differences happening with the Democratic Party pushing, you know, it, it, those those Christian conservative voters in a very partisan direction one way. Um, but I, 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 I clarify that um, yeah. I didn't mean to insinuate that Christianity was what. Sure, you're right, 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 right. You're just saying, yeah, no, yeah. Just that it was not a sufficient deterrent. Sure. You know, it like no, no, I, I agree. Okay. Again, 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 I, I agree. And I think particularly, you know, you have, you have uh, I, I, I do think to, to one point you made, I, I do think you find various historical episodes where the church, you know, has been a, a stand against uh, uh, very authoritarian regimes. I know like the, the world, for example, the Orthodox Church in the Soviet Union. But, you know, to be fair, you know, there, there have been corruptions of church institutions on behalf of states. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not minding that at all. I think ultimately, however, the criticisms that were made against the war were themselves influenced by Christian morality, right? The, the idea that it was wrong for Americans to hurt, you know, that, 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 that you know, you know it, it, that it's wrong for us to hurt people of other tribes and other nations, right? You know, those, those arguments themselves used even by non-Christians against American foreign policy have typically been ones that have been shaped by what the West has come to view as morality itself through that Christian lens. 
And I, I think this is one of those elements that is, you know, if we're looking at the decay of the West right now, is that you have Western civilization, which was founded upon a very specific you know, ethical foundation. I mean, the, the West was built by Christianity. It was Christendom. Like that, that was the, that was the operating procedure processor there. And it has been, it, with the degree of secularism that we've seen within the West, and not just in the U.S., and perhaps less in the U.S. and other areas, but just the West in general, um, and, and having it manifested itself as well with various, you know, again, uh, 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 you know, changes within how we define marriage, you know, some of those institutional sort of arguments that, you know, once upon, you know, you know I, I was, you know, you know, a big pro-gay marriage guy during the Obama years, all that sort of stuff, right? I, I used to, to criticize Obama for not being pro-gay rights, rights enough and things like that. I, I think, however, it is fair. I, I find myself looking back in hindsight, though, seeing the degree to which the, this this neoliberal regime has redefined these institutions away from Christian definitions. And seeing what is the consequences of it, and, and you know, as, as every day passes on, the more I find myself questioning the the virtue of what has long been celebrated as a great victory for cultural liberalism and and the growth of a of a secular, less the you know less oppressive state. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if that has actually lended itself to a, a culture that is is pro liberty. And and, and, I, and I think the connection with like the COVID stuff. Is that necessarily if you do not believe in the afterlife, like your your time preference changes, right? I, yeah. I, I think there is this degree to which now 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 there there are plenty of non supernatural you know, non religious yeah. reasons to have that sense, right? If if you have a child, right, you, you know you, you want to live, you create an example for your offspring to yeah. follow, right? That is a way of living beyond yourselves. But with this same, you know, the, the same era of, of cultural liberalism or you know whatever you call it called this this modern age right they're going after natalism right they're going after the family they're going you know instead of having kids have dogs right and and i think that that is again if we're looking for for how do you define a decaying culture i i think there you know you, you can pit a lot of i think a lot of the arguments that i was would have used to dismiss in the past as like slippery slope christian theocratic arguments against obviously good changes to government a lot of those arguments in hindsight seem less and less slippery and and you know it, it, again i'm not necessarily quite to gary north's level when it comes to these issues but i'm saying that gary north looks a lot better than he did five years ago and and that's where that's kind of where i, I find myself and again the, the degree to which there's some parallels with other areas out there i think it's just interesting that these are the conversations that are, are being held in other areas not just you know, the, the ghetto of libertarian Twitter, but in, in other uh, uh, you know, different movements out there. Yeah. So I um, the way I look at a lot of this is, um, you know, I think there can be a lot of truth in something without it being absolutely true. And that's the way I look at the Bible. Like, I think mm -hmm. that the Bible has a ton of wisdom in it, a ton of great ideas how to live in a virtuous society. Um, I also think it has a lot of crazy stuff in it and some really bad ideas. But what I, what I find a problem with people is they either need to embrace the entirety of something or just completely mm -hmm. reject it. So, I mean, you see this a lot with libertarians, even like some libertarians, when they're curious with the philosophy, they find one thing they don't like and they're like, nope, it's all trash. 
And it's like, well, hold on. Like, <laughs> why would that, why would it all be trash? Just because you can't reconcile this one piece, why would you throw the baby out with the bathwater? Um, so I think, you know, when I hear people say we need Christian values, I don't necessarily disagree with the sentiment behind what they're saying. It's just the phrasing of the, you know, of the, of the term, like, I agree. We need a society that is more caring, that is more forgiving, that is more generous, that is, uh, you know, less vindictive, less hateful, less, uh, you know, wanting to control others. I think if everyone followed, I'd even say if everyone followed, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself, we'd have no problems. Like, even though I don't believe in God, if people were trying to worship God and, you know, remove their selfishness and really just try to live for his commands and other people, I think we would have a practically perfect world. Um, I think there are just, there's just a chunk of people who don't believe that the same way. And I think that chunk of people is getting bigger, you know, like th this is why I'm not a, I wouldn't consider myself a conservative because I'm always looking I look to the past for sure for examples, but I'm also looking forward, like what is actually going to work going forward. And I don't think like trying to re indoctrinate people into Christianity is necessarily the right move. And especially when so many Christians are saying things like, if you don't believe in this philosophy, then you have no basis for believing in any absolutes. You have no basis for morality. You have no basis for individualism. Because if they tell people that, then they'll believe them and they'll say, OK, well, I oh. guess I'm a communist because <laughs> I don't believe in God or whatever. So I think there's you know, I'm not going to try to discourage Christian libertarians from reaching out to people in their own way. I've got good friends, Liam McCollum, Jacob Winograd, a, a bunch of people who do that. But I just think that, um, you know, trying to exclude people who have a different approach is a mistake. And I just don't want to see that happen. I want to, I want to see, I mean, I care, you know, you're talking about time preference with people who don't believe in God. You're hundred percent correct. That's why I do care so much about stuff. Cause I, uh, you know, I think this is all, all I got. I mean, I could be wrong. Could be something else after this, but I don't know. So I care about what I can do to make this world better while I'm here, what I can do to make it better for people after me. Um, if this was just a waiting room to the next life, I don't think I would care so much about it. That's just how I look at it. But um, I'm just hoping for a future where those two factions don't need to be split. Um, so I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that. I, I, I think at one point, I, I don't think that it is Christians judging. You know, you're, I, I don't think that the, the, the trend to nihilism uh, or, or some of the destructive things that we're seeing culture and society is, is a backlash to Christians saying, well, if you don't believe in this, then you have no sense of morality and therefore you can you know, be the joker. Uh, I, I think that we have a culture that, that's, that's subsidizing that behavior, that's pushing that idea. You know, I, I think that it's interesting. Uh, 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 there's a book called uh, On Leftism written by a Austrian uh, political theorist that's was associated with the Institute, and he, he identifies... Uh, Marquis de Sade as one of the most influential uh, thinkers on the left. And like you, you look around at society today, like Western society today, like it is very much a sadistic society. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of value in there. And, and so I, I think that, you know, it, it is not a backlash to Christianity that's feeding that. I, I think it is the, the, the removal of Christianity from society 
that is that is, that, is, that is creating, you know, that is pushing us to the environment we have right now. And it's gotten to the point where, again, while I don't think that every single person has to be a, a believing Christian. I, I, I have, I have grave doubts about the success of any political libertarian movement on a broad scale. If it is, if we do not have Christian revivalism in America, like I, I think that you could have pockets. Like I, I think that you could have, for example, your, your Gulch Gulch, right? You could have your opt-out societies where you have a bunch of, you know, galaxy brain uh, crypto bros go to Honduras and sort of free society, and they they create a purely, you know, perfectly privatized society. I, I think that could happen, right? I, I think that yeah. you know that that opt-out model where you create a private, I, I think that's fine. But I, I think in terms of everyone else that doesn't have that ability. I, I think that a less Christian society ends up becoming a less freer society. And I, I think there's a lot of interesting, you know, I, I think that's a trend that you can see play out very well throughout history um, uh, off of Matt Erickson's recommendation. I finally finished uh, Dominion by Tom Holland, which is a wonderful book. Um, yeah. I, I'm someone who, again, I, 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 the history of ideas and seeing the way they percolate and throughout time is is really what gets me it's like rothbard's austrian uh, history of economic thought was really kind of what made me an austrian and then that book opened my eyes in a lot of ways um but i i i think that's something that i, I do and and and, and conversely when i look at the world today and i look at where are the areas where i have the most hope for pushing back against some of the trends that we're seeing right now it is air it is south america you know particularly brazil but other areas of south america um, that's that's my conservative argument for you know more immigration at the borders because I, I want to have a lot more Hispanic Christians. Uh, I, I, you know, let, let them outnumber uh, uh, you know white atheists graduating from Ivy League colleges. Like that's I, I think that'd be a good thing for society. Um, but also you know with, within Africa and, and you, know, you know comparing Eastern Europe versus Western Europe, um, even though you know it, a lot of, of defendants of like Hungary and things like that will overlook you know really bad like COVID policies like you know there's you know I'm, all of those are worth taking into account. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting the degree to which uh, what we would consider, or at least what I would consider, the, the best libertarian movements are going to be the ones that overlap with the nations in my, that, that I, I think are going to end up being more culturally Christian. Um, and that, that is a hypothesis on my point. It might be completely wrong. Um, but that, that, that is the sort of prediction that – this thought process that I'm, I'm, I'm still developing. I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's an area that I have written about a great, you know, a lot on because I'm still processing a lot of this sort of stuff. Um, but that, that is the sort of things where you know, this thought process leading me to where I, I think the, 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 the secular versus Christian world um, is going to be very defining. I think in a way, a lot of this stuff ends up percolating in political realities. Yeah. Last question I got for you. Um, what do you think about New Hampshire? I'm moving back there in a few months. Um, you know, Florida is probably more similar to what you're describing as becoming a success because you're trying to bring people who have not just a belief in liberty, but it's it seems like much more conservative with a more religious overtone to it in general, where New Hampshire is actually the most atheist state in the country. And it's really just about like the philosophy of liberty. So what are your yeah. long-term, um, what are your long-term, uh, you know, um, assumptions of what's going to happen in New Hampshire versus Florida? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Ron DeSantis, I mean, like he, he brought prayer back to schools. 
Right. Um, so I, 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 you know, I think it's great. Um, uh, it can also be meditation periods. I know what you hope for, but uh, yeah, <laughs> right now they're pushing on legislation that uh, uh, would prevent public schools from talking about uh, LGBTQ issues entirely. That, so yeah. I mean, there, there there is a very strong push going on from the Florida uh, government right now on these issues. The leftists are reacting as you would expect. But yes, for particularly as, as someone who is looking at migration patterns, like I, I would I would be perfectly okay. With uh, if, if Florida's public education system ends up enforcing cultural views that are going to be um, uh, uh, you know, uh, keep out the people that will end up on the uh, libs of TikTok Twitter page, I, I'd be quite happy with that. Um, the, the the contrast though with New Hampshire, so I mean, again, I, I would I would love for for New Hampshire to be uh, the exception to prove wrong. You know, there's a lot of great people in New Hampshire. Right? The, the 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 libertarian movement within New Hampshire is my favorite. I think group libertarian group out there, like they, they make it work. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, maybe, maybe there's something to be said about, uh, uh, longstanding, uh, you know, small iconoclast communities in new England, uh, being where freedom really lies. I mean, we can go back to Rhode Island as, as some of the, you know, the, the great, uh, 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 you know, resistance against all the, the early imperialism and, and, and tyranny of uh, early America. Um, so again, I, I would love if, if New Hampshire can continue on the path that it has been on, um, and and continuing to to be able to preserve itself as as a free state, well, that that'd be great. Um, you know, I, I've I there there has been political trends that I, I've found concerning over time. They've been much better after 2020. We'll see how they go going forward. Um, but it, it you know per, perhaps New Hampshire can be uh, a state that has a uh, does not have a cultural void that the left is able to fill, but perhaps a aggressively pro-liberty cultural foundation that can fill that void that Christianity otherwise does within a society. You know, if, if you know, you know, I, I think that there, there is a lot of virtue that you can find within um, various ethical frameworks brought about by secular libertarians. And if that can really play that role, and more power to you. I would love to to have my doubts be proven wrong. And uh, I, I am glad that there is both uh, New Hampshire and Florida out there so that people can uh, locate depending on whether they like to go snow hiking in the mountains or uh, uh, enjoy the beaches down here. But the freedom to choose is not a bad thing overall. Yeah, man, I'm very interested to see long term how both of our uh, states end up turning out. Well, yeah. um, like the key is the key is is keeping these states on the trajectory that they are right now, rather than have them become you know some sort of homogenous blob like the rest of Lesser America. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We're in the well. I guess Maine is in the Maine is basically an extension of New Hampshire, though. There's yeah. no there's it like works. no people there. It's just moose and like a couple people. So uh, we got us on the you know the two corners of the east coast of the country. So it'll be interesting. Well, uh, thanks for joining me again, though. I always like talking with you. You yeah. have become probably my favorite Twitter follow, even though we disagree on some stuff. Um, I just can't stress how much I love that you are never passive aggressive. You're never subtweeting. You will always call out exactly who you intend on speaking to. You'll quote tweet whoever you're arguing with. You are unabashedly bold with what you believe and you're not afraid to talk about it. And then you're also not afraid to come and talk on the show. We need more people like you. So thank you, Phil. Well, I appreciate you reading. I'm excited to see that you just keep blowing up and uh, great job on Kennedy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, by the way, I just got your Twitter in here. Is there anywhere else uh, you want anyone to follow you? 
Yeah, if, if um, you know, I've, I've got a, a Liberty versus Power history podcast with Patrick Newman that we've been having some fun with. Uh, we've been going through kind of the, the rise of, uh, you know, the early corruption in early America. So if you're any, yeah, have any interest in history podcasts and things like that, Liberty versus Power at the Mises Institute website. All right. Thanks, though. We'll do it again. Great.